in Australia right now. The SX200 up around 2%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has jumped 3% at the open. Uh, the Cosby in South Korea doing even better than that, rising 3.5%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about 1,000 points or 4.25% at the open. Uh, in the commodities markets, gold is down a little bit at $1,629 an ounce. Brent crude oil also lower, trading at $26.85 a barrel. And in the currency markets, uh, the US dollar's at 109.3 against the Japanese yen. Back chats coming up after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. I'll be away next week, so Richard Harris will be here on Monday. And Andrew Work will be in the chair for the rest of the week. Have a great weekend. The weather forecast uh, for today, just before I go, it's going to be... Let me just get it up for you. It's going to be mainly cloudy, coastal fog in the morning, sunny periods during the day. Maximum temperature is going to be about 27 degrees. Squally thunderstorms at first uh, tomorrow. Slightly cooler and windy during the weekend. It's 24 degrees right now. 90% relative humidity. 8.31. Here's Pierre Tremblay with the half-hour news. Latest figures from the United States show that it has now more confirmed cases of the coronavirus than any other country in the world. John Hopkins University says the U.S. has over 82,400 COVID-19 patients, overtaking China, which is just under 82,000. Italy has 80,500. Asked at a press conference in Washington, D.C., whether these figures were surprising, President Trump said it was a tribute to the amount of testing that was being done. We've got tremendous amounts of equipment coming in. A lot of great companies are making equipment right now. The ventilators, obviously, they take a little longer to make, and we're going to be in great shape. We took over an empty shelf. We took over a very depleted place in a lot of ways. Uh, As you know, the testing is going very, very well. The foreign ministry says Beijing will block most foreign nationals from entering the mainland, including those with valid visas and residence permits. The move is aimed at stemming the spread of the coronavirus pandemic, whose epicenter has now moved from China to Europe. The central government has also announced measures that also make it harder for locals to travel overseas or return home. Robert Kemp reports. The foreign ministry said the measures will take effect from tomorrow, stressing the suspension was a temporary measure. The new restrictions were announced shortly after the mainland Civil Aviation Authority said China would also drastically cut its international flight routes to stop imported virus cases. Flights out of China will be capped at just one route a week to each country, with international airlines also permitted only one route. And Guangdong authorities say all arrivals from overseas, including Hong Kong, Macau and Taiwan, must now undergo quarantine and testing. Authorities here say their latest tests have confirmed that a Pomeranian dog, whose earlier results had given a weak positive for the coronavirus, was indeed once infected before its death last week. The Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department says serological tests were conducted on the dog's blood and the results were positive. The department said this indicates that the dog had developed an immune response to the infection as antibodies were found. The department said dogs and cats are not infected easily with the coronavirus, with only two dogs testing positive as of now. It said there was no evidence that they play a role in the spread of the virus. Police have arrested three men in Taiwan on suspicion of possessing offensive weapons and arms and ammunition without a license. The three, aged between 20 and 23, are also suspected of possessing instruments that could be used for unlawful purposes. Police said the arrests were made on Leaping Dragon Walk after officers came across the men acting suspiciously near a stone hut. 
The British government has announced further steps to help those prevented from working because of restrictions imposed to halt the spread of the coronavirus. The self-employed will now be able to claim 80% of their average monthly profits from the state. Next news at 9. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today. Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Do we need a lockdown? According to some estimates, a third of the world's population is now on some sort of lockdown with highly restricted movements and shops and restaurants typically shut. With the total number of cases here now at 453, is it time to do the same here? Or are current measures sufficient given the small number of people who take part in risky behaviour? It's widely reported that the alcohol ban mooted earlier this week won't go ahead, but there might be some sort of restriction on gatherings following a special Exco meeting this afternoon. How would that work? How would it help? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page. That's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. We'll read out your messages. Or you can give us a call, and the number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. And uh, it's best to uh, call us. Joining us for this first part of the programme, we have now Professor Benjamin Cowling, uh, Professor and Division Head of the Division of uh, Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, after nine o'clock, we're going to be joined by Regina Yip, Executive Councillor and Chairwoman of the New People's Party, and Health Sector Lawmaker Joseph Lee uh, as well. So uh, you can, uh, you're can, you very welcome to, to, to phone in and, and talk to them uh, then uh, as well. Uh, uh, a few emails, first of all, to kick us off uh, on various topics, Danny. Okay, and uh, we'll start with an email from Bowen. Um, Bowen's writing on another important news story um, in the last couple of days, which is the arrest of um, Central and Western uh, District Council uh, Chairwoman Cheng Lai King. Uh, she was arrested by the police in uh, connection with uh, the revelation of uh, that police officer who shot the Indonesian journalist, or allegedly shot the Indonesian journalist, identity. And the police have said that one consideration is charging her with sedition. Uh, Bowen says, James Toe and Dennis Kwok are right in saying, respectively, that the government is using the case against District Council Chairwoman Cheng Lai King to test how far it can go with existing anti-sedition laws and that the case will give people a glimpse of what Article 23 legislation will bring. As Professor Simon Young said in an RTHK interview, it would be more straightforward to use the common law offence of incitement to commit assault or violence in the Chen case, and a charge based on anti-sedition laws is in any case unlikely, since there are no national security implications present, as the alleged act was not directed against the Hong Kong government or the Chinese government. If the Chen case is indeed allowed to be used to establish a legal precedent and to herald in the use of anti-sedition laws to harass and intimidate members of the opposition, anti-sedition laws, as newly interpreted, could also be deployed in future against the press and other members of the public at large. Given the real tendency of some officials in this and other previous cases to dig up and modulate, if not to pervert outdated laws, to persecute political opponents and stifle freedom of expression, it's arguably particularly important for us to gauge now where the recommended candidate for the top job in our judiciary stands in contentious legal issues like this one. It's not too early to think about how the changing of the guard in the Court of Final Appeal may impact the quality of and the direction to be taken in court judgments in future. Those who have opined that the new Chief Justice cannot rock the boat off the Court of Final Appeal should be reminded that Justice Chung and Justice Fock 
will soon be joined by two new permanent justices out of a panel of five deciding a case in the Court of Final Appeal. That's when uh, Chief Justice Ma retires in January next year, to be followed by Justice Ribeiro's retirement in March. Thank you very much, Boeing. And you talk about um, the um, arrest on sedition. Of course, uh, joining us after nine o'clock will be Regina Ripp, who knows a little bit about uh, proposals on sedition, if you, if you have any questions for her on that. Uh, some uh, emails uh, back on the uh, COVID-19 uh, issue. Housing State Brett says, is there any evidence that the virus is airborne? In other words, do we all need to wear respirators instead of surgical masks? And if it's not airborne, should we be more concerned about what we touch instead of thinking that by wearing a surgical mask we are protected and that based on observing folks, is that all they need to do? Uh, and... Uh L says, Dear Backchat, there's a lot of flack in the press about foreigners returning to Hong Kong and flaunting, flouting the self-quarantine rules by partying and not keeping a respectable social distance, etc. I just wanted to point out that it's not only the foreigners doing this. Please see the party scene below on a boat out near Clearwater Bay, not a foreigner in sight. And there's some pictures attached of uh, people on a boat uh, in, near Clearwater Bay who are jumping in the water and having fun and having a party and so on. And um, they're not wearing masks. And Certainly they... not only for foreigners here. Yeah. <laughs> here, as I was saying, my own experience of people not wearing face masks and sitting in close proximity to me this week, none of them have been foreigners. Uh, Mr Tang says Professor Holok Sang mentioned the magic number 28 in his South China Morning Post article yesterday claiming that 28 days without local infection should be the barometer for declaring the city safe medical experts have suggested that yet to achieve that goal we need to work harder any social distancing measures should be practicable I suggest the following first any gathering of more than five people should be banned given the crowded situation at eateries second tables at restaurants should be two metres apart with customers Facing away from each other, no sharing of tables is allowed. Three hiking trails and country parks should be closed after a certain time on weekends and completely closed uh, at weekends. Uh, four, public transport should cut down on operating hours, taking away people's incentives to venture out for non-essential purposes. Five, limit the number of customers at shops at any given time. Six, work from home arrangements should remain in place. By the way, says Mr Tang, I've seen on countless occasions runners donning sports gear, not wearing face masks, apparently before and after a workout in a crowded street. Do they feel invincible as they believe sportswear can serve as medical PPE? That uh, question from Mr Tang. Uh, Professor Cowling, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, it seems that, uh, well, a, a couple of things. One is that we do seem to be exactly in, experiencing exactly the kind of second wave that you were speaking of a, a couple of weeks ago on, on this programme. Um, uh, and the question now is, is how to deal with that, how to tackle that. Um, uh, it seems, uh, going by press reports, that the government is, won't follow through with that proposal on banning alcohol, but there will be some kind of restrictions, perhaps restrictions on gatherings. What do you think would be an appropriate uh, uh, stepping up of, of measures at this stage? I think now we face a higher risk of local outbreaks and then local transmission than we did maybe a month ago. We've seen a lot of uh, people coming back to Hong Kong, a lot of residents particularly coming back to Hong Kong who've had the infection and then there's always a chance that some of those infections will spread into the community and then as we've seen there have been local infections and, uh, and some local outbreaks. We've really got to be on our guard because if there were to be larger local outbreaks it would be really difficult to get on top of them and uh, we then have to be thinking about some more drastic social distancing measures. I think at the moment the measures are doing are doing fine, but we do need to be very alert 
at the moment because of this potential for outbreaks. You say the measures are doing fine. That suggests you don't think there's a need for further measures at the moment. Right. So we have to think about what's the purpose of the measures. If we're in a desperate situation like maybe northern Italy was, then you go to a lockdown because you want to really stop transmission at all costs. But in Hong Kong, we're not in that position. Uh, we we could do a lockdown and stop all transmission, but actually there's not that much transmission to stop. If you look at the, the figures coming yeah. in, we have a lot of imported cases, but we don't have so many local infections. Of course, we wouldn't like any, but at the same time, we wouldn't like a lockdown either. So the measures at the minute are finding a balance between you know, the, keeping the numbers low, but also keeping everybody uh, able to go to work and, and able to, to continue as much as possible. Is it fair to say, my impression, the local infections still tend to be in clusters, don't they? Like the, even uh, the Lanquifong mm. cluster and more cases being traced back to that now. And we're not seeing evidence of sustained spreading away from those clusters at the moment. That's right, and that's because we're able to get on top of them. So when, when these clusters are identified, then all the people involved, like the people in the Discovery Bay wedding, all the people are then monitored very carefully, and that's a way to stop infection from spreading further. But you can imagine if we had, instead of one or two clusters at the moment, if we had 10 or 20, suddenly it's much more difficult to get on top of, to track all those people down and to keep a close eye on them. And that's what we're really worried about, that we'll be overwhelmed by maybe outbreaks, and then it's difficult to pull back at that point. And when we look at the numbers that are announced every day, because, I mean, for, your, for most of us, just ordinary people, ordinary laymen, uh, the, um, that's, what, that's all we really have to go on, the numbers announced every day. What should we be looking for in terms of um, how worried or reassured we should be in those numbers? So there's a headline number is the total number of cases, but I think the one to look out for is the non-imported. Yeah. So maybe if there's 50 cases, 40 imported, 10 local, it's the 10 local that, that really we have to keep an eye on. If those local numbers keep going up that's a sign for concern but we've seen over the past week or two weeks we've had a lot of imported cases not so many local cases and that's that's reassuring at the moment but of course we're concerned what's going to happen in the next week or two and that's why the government has considered putting in these uh, uh, additional measures you you did say before that i, th I think you i think you said this that a, a, a rule of thumb for sort of looking at, uh, for estimating how widespread infections were in a population, was to look at the number of deaths and multiply by a thousand. That that would be that would be four thousand in Hong Kong, which is relatively so that, few, that's isn't it? That's a rule of thumb. Let, let, let me clarify. Yeah. That's a rule of thumb for somewhere that's not getting on top of their epidemic. So somewhere like northern Italy before, like Iran before, uh, places that haven't done extensive measures. We know that if there's a, you know, at the end of the epidemic, it will be more like one in a hundred or, or a little bit above that in china i think it was two or three percent um but it, when the epidemic's rising because there's so many more cases each week and because it takes time for deaths to appear if you want to get a handle on how many infections there might be for example in the u.s now you take the number of deaths and times by a thousand and that's a rough rule of thumb because there's so many more infections that haven't yet appeared and haven't been detected um yeah, mm. I, I was just thinking that if that if, if there were four thousand in Hong Kong, um, mm. that's not that's relative. That strikes me as relatively few. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. So, so it's also true that there, there will be people who've had coronavirus infection in Hong Kong that have not been detected. You know, maybe very mild symptoms, haven't even been to see the doctor. Maybe in other cases had some symptoms but weren't considered for testing, and that's always the case. 
but what we've seen so far is there haven't been increases in local infections and that's the way that we're monitoring whether there's you know whether there's more and more transmission going on so we're pretty confident at the moment that the numbers of infections have stayed low certainly more than the number of confirmed cases but not certainly not increasing either at this stage i wonder if perhaps you could respond to a point raised by one of our listeners just before we went to you who's complaining about seeing uh, joggers out and about not wearing face masks so it's something that concerns me most a jogger myself i always thought that there's actually more you were more danger of harming your health as a jogger if you're actually wearing a face mask and then um than uh, than not wearing one. Uh, what would be your advice? I mean, people want to go out running and um, um, get exercise, but in, in the current environment, I, I think our understanding of respiratory viruses is that there's very little transmission outside, outdoors, unless you're in a very crowded area with a lot of people. For example, in a in a crowd at a, at a sports game or something. If if you're running in the park, running in the countryside there's almost no transmission going to occur in those circumstances, whether you're walking or running. And it, if you have a lot of masks, then you can wear a mask. But if you don't like have a lot of masks, like a lot of us, then I think that's a place where you could maybe not wear a mask and save it for when you really needed it more. Um, if I was going to go out jogging, I might consider wearing a mask in the lift, in the lobby of my building, but then going out running, take the mask off, save it. Because if it gets all sweaty, that's the end of the mask. You can't you can't keep using it after that. Um, so that that would be my comment on on wearing masks outside. Are you actually likely to harm yourself in terms of um, breathing uh, wearing a mask when you? I mean, it depends on the mask. So there are these. I've seen some people wearing these N95 type masks, which are really tightly fitted, and uh, you have to breathe really hard through them. I, I don't think you could run in one of those. Um, but in a surgical mask, I, I don't I don't know. I haven't tried. But I um, mean, because there's there's not that much transmission happening outdoors, then I, I don't think it's a, a big issue. It, the, the transmission is mostly occurring indoors or in crowds, maybe out outdoors. Um, so there is this special executive council meeting this afternoon, and um, there's a lot of speculation that there will be some kind of restriction on on social gatherings. We'll have to wait and see exactly what what that amounts to, what, whether that means in public places, whether what, 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 what would happen at home, and so on like that, and reducing the numbers. Would you, um, you know, if you said you couldn't have a social gathering of more than four people or something like that, would that be useful? Do you think would that would that be appropriate at this time? I think we, we can look at it maybe over the next few weeks. I think initially it would be a good idea to restrict large social gatherings because we've seen a number of occasions in Hong Kong and also elsewhere where there have been a lot of infections in a very short space of time in larger social gatherings. But I know that some of those kind of gatherings are already cancelled in Hong Kong anyway and, and not allowed in Hong Kong. Going down to four seems quite extreme to me. Um, but, I mean, obviously, if the situation changes, then we can also look at changing some of these measures to be relaxed a little bit or tightened a little bit. What about closing restaurants early? Uh, would that make a difference? Yeah, so and what is this about? I mean, we've already seen uh, McDonald's and I think uh, Café de Corral now, they, they, they stop... Um, uh, serving uh, for for for, ta- for, se- for seating in after six o'clock. What is it about? They seem to think that the evening is somehow more dangerous than the daytime in terms of people um, e- eating in restaurants. Yeah, I, I, so certainly restaurant is one location when transmission could occur because it's when people are sitting around in close proximity to each other for maybe 30 minutes or even an hour. And of course, in Hong Kong, people are mostly wearing masks, but then in restaurants, you're not because you take the mask off to eat your food. So then... We think the masks are doing something, but not 
in the restaurant when you're eating. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of cases of transmission in restaurants in Hong Kong so far, but I, I know there have been cases in other countries um, in, in the past. So, I mean, it's, it's a reasonable measure that could be tuned again. If we're worried about the local situation, then it's the kind of thing that we add. And then if we're less worried, then it's something that we relax. Some some more uh, emails. This is for, this is from uh, Paul Zimmerman, uh, who says uh, the government plans to limit uh, shop trading hours, will concentrate people in shorter time periods, and reduce physical distancing. What are we missing here? Importantly, Wuhan returnees have not been tested upon arrival, neither for COVID nineteen nor for immunity to COVID nineteen. This appears to be a missed opportunity from a public health and medical science perspective. Why not? Um, uh, those questions from from Paul Zimmerman. Uh, is there that danger that if you if you limit uh, trading hours, uh, then you get people squeezing into uh, you know more people squeezing into the opening hours as they stand? Yeah, of course. So that, that's something that would need to be looked at. So you you could see what would be the consequence of some of these decisions, and then either relax them or tighten them up. I know other countries are also looking at the the same kind of measures of restricting access to some shops or or allowing the vulnerable people to go into supermarkets one hour earlier before it before it opens properly. Um, I mean, all of these measures, we, we don't know exactly how well they'll work, and it may, maybe some of them will be tested out and then relaxed or changed if they're not working so well. And for Paul's second comment on the Wuhan returnees, uh, I hope that those tests will be done and the results will be reported, because I agree with him that that would be a really uh, interesting set of information to look at to see how far the epidemic had progressed in Wuhan before the, the lockdowns went into place and, and curtailed transmission. Okay, some more some more comments uh, on on that issue of the uh, exercising on Facebook. Uh, Nig says, reply to this, Mr. Tang. Seriously, you assume someone carries the virus just because they're exercising without a mask, and now you dare to question their choice of location. This is the type of ignorance we deal with. I'm not the one running without a mask on a busy street, but yes, you just politely wait for them to pass or move to the other side of the street. You've got eyes and legs. No, it's all about how things are done, with some consideration for others. Unbelievable. Uh, Nick also says, please, is this a joke? When you fly another 500 in from Hubei without the need to be on bracelets or any other identifiers, you're trying to shut down Lang Kwai Fon and McDonald's. Uh, estimated half of those don't even have an address in Hong Kong, which is why the sudden surge in hotel prices a few days before. Have you not heard hotels and hostels are kicking out the medical frontline staff renting rooms to be away from their family? Uh, and Adelaide there says, Hong Kong should learn from Australia. This is what Sydney looks like today and uh, it's empty uh, empty streets um, yeah, yeah I mean I mean, you look around the world you see those dramatic pictures of empty streets in London and Moscow I think now they, they're going to be closing down and, and things like this but uh, you know in Hong Kong life life is going on and you think that's that's okay Professor Cowling right so I think what, what we want to avoid in Hong Kong is having to put into place those kind of extreme measures that are being used in Australia, in Europe, and in the US, because those are not sustainable. So in Hong Kong, if we can keep what we're doing now for the next few months, then I think we'll be in very good shape compared to some of these other places that have had to put into place drastic measures, which can't be sustained. And then when they're relaxed, the virus will come back, and then they'll have to think again what they're going to do. And I know that actually many places around the world are looking at Hong Kong and Singapore as models of what could be done as a more sustainable way to keep the virus at a low level. It's not possible to keep it out completely. You have to just keep 
the numbers of infections at a low level uh, and avoid the kind of explosive spread that we've seen uh, in increasing numbers of, of places around the world, most recently maybe New York. You know, we all want to avoid that. Mm. Uh, some more thoughts from listeners. Jim says cleanliness is essential not only to combat the present virus but a host of other contagious diseases. While we as individuals assiduously wash our hands and don our masks, it's depressing that our streets, minibuses, MTR, etc., hotbeds of potential infection, do not mirror our personal commitment to cleanliness. At this critical time, may I suggest that owners of shops, apartment blocks, minibuses, MTR and crucially government departments take this opportunity to increase their cleaning obligations. At present, they fall well short of what we should expect. That's from uh, Jim. Um, S, this is in reference to the news. I think I think the news about people clapping for the NHS in the UK, I think. Uh, S says, your reporter forget to, forgot to mention it was India's uh, Narendra Modi, Prime Minister, who initiated the nationwide movement for applauding the healthcare workers and volunteers. A record 1.3 billion people applauded simultaneously on Sunday at 5pm on March the 22nd. And uh, Andrew F. says, I saw Professor Cowling on Sky News recently and thought he was excellent at getting his points across concisely in layman's terms. I just wanted to ask his views on immunity of those previously infected. There seems to be some studies suggesting that the uh, effect of antibodies produced may be short-lived and it's not guaranteed that a person once infected could not be reinfected. Uh, if this is true, what does this herald for the hopes of eventual herd immunity? Professor Cowley? Yeah, so I, I think it's really too early to say a lot about that. The infections have only been a, around for a few months. The earliest known infections in Hong Kong, for example, were, were only about two months ago. So we don't have a lot of evidence to go on yet. We're really hoping that there will be long, long-term immunity for people who've been infected, and that would be the case for other, other respiratory infections. But because this is a new virus, there's a lot of things we don't understand about it. Um, it, it would be really a, a very uh, a kind of difficult scenario if there wasn't good immunity for people who've been infected because then we'd face the prospect of having repeated, repeated epidemics every year, even in places that have been heavily affected. Uh, but of course then we're, we're also still looking forward to the hopes for a vaccine in maybe a year or so. And then that's really the comfort for us now because in Hong Kong, you know, we're hoping that we'll be able to keep epidemics away from us until we get the vaccine Is, uh, so I mean, that we won't be relying on herd immunity. Are, are there diseases where you don't get immunity? I thought that was just the way the body worked, that you always... Um, there, there are some, I mean, so, so for most respiratory viruses, you do get some degree of immunity after infection, but it doesn't necessarily last for a long time. But when you get a reinfection, it tends to be milder. But then you can look at influenza, where we know you need the vaccine every year because the virus is changing more rapidly, maybe more rapidly than coronaviruses change. For the common colds, you know, we get common colds, most of us, every year or sometimes multiple times a year. Those are all different kinds of viruses, so we probably won't get the same one twice. There's just a lot of different viruses to choose from. But then in, in the field of all possible viruses, there are some viruses where where immunity is a little bit different and there are uh, kind of different patterns in people who have infection again and again and again. And uh, I think it's too early to say how coronavirus immunity would, would behave. But 
I mean, the, the, the early signs that I've seen are that there is a good immune response to infection you, within, of, within a month or two. Okay, because uh, a lot of people kind of saw this coming or saw the potential for this, didn't they? Uh, uh, exactly this, this situation, and now it's, it's come to pass. Um, is there anything we can do to stop it happening all over again? If it, you know, mutates slightly, even if we get immunity to this, another form, another coronavirus emerges, will it just all happen all over again? Right. I mean, there's so many different viruses in animals, in, in particularly in wild animals, that, that don't have a chance to spread to humans ordinarily. And we'd like to reduce the, the, the frequency with which they do spread to humans. The last time we had a, a coronavirus spreading to humans in this part of the world was the SARS almost 20 years ago. But then, of course, there's the MERS coronavirus in the Middle East, which had a big outbreak in South Korea in 2015. Um, who knows when the next one would occur, but the risk will certainly be lower if we reduce the interactions of humans with wild animals, for example, in wild animal markets. Um, but, um, I mean, who, you know, we, we just have to be on the guard for these kind of things coming, keep a close eye on, on what's circulating in different kinds of animals and maybe get a little bit prepared, better prepared for the next time so that uh, we can get on top of it quicker. But I think actually Hong Kong's doing pretty well we've been pretty well prepared because of the experience with SARS it's maybe the western world that's, that's struggling a little bit more didn't anticipate the, the risk and now is reacting a little bit to the, the reaction in Hong Kong we only got about 30 seconds but um, how long do, should these measures stay in place the ones we have now um, so I, it's difficult to say but I think we'd like to keep epidemics out until we get a vaccine, which could be a year or two away. So we've got to keep some of these measures in place for quite some time. School closures? Don't know. Maybe that's, that, that could be relaxed. But, um, I mean, certainly some of, the, some of the measures are going to have to stay in place and maybe will be tuned so they'll be relaxed when it's quieter and brought back when, when things heat up again, like they have heated up in the last two weeks. Okay, well, Professor Cowling, many thanks for joining us once again. Uh, Benjamin Cowling there, Professor, Division Head of the Division of uh, Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. Regina Yip and Joseph Lee joining us after the news at nine. You're welcome to uh, join the conversation. Give us a call. The weather, mainly cloudy, 24 degrees. The latest readings, relative humidity at 88%. Chat on a Friday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Hugh Chiverton. We were talking in the first part of the programme this morning to Professor Cowling from the University of Hong Kong, an epidemiologist, about uh, uh, possibility of uh, enhanced measures to reduce the spread of the coronavirus um, in Hong Kong. In the second part of the programme, between now and 9.30, we're joined by Regina Yip, a New People's Party chairwoman and executive councillor, and Joseph Lee, the healthcare sector lawmaker, to discuss some of those uh, measures. Um, and email address is backchat at rthk.hk send us a message and we'll do our best to read it out or even better you can just pick up the phone join the conversation 233-88266 is the number and an email from John Kowloon John Kowloon says Hong Kong landlords have made enormous amounts of money over the past few decades by charging their tenants exorbitant rents I analysed the financial statements of the nine largest listed property groups, namely Sun Hung Kai, Chung Kong, Henderson, New World, Sino Land, Swa, Hong Kong Land, Wharf, and the MTRC's property division. Confining my analysis to just the past financial year, I calculated these nine companies made a combined net underlying profit, which excludes property revaluation surpluses, a combined net underlying profit of around $120 billion. The majority of this came from their Hong Kong rental portfolios. 
I estimate that over the past decade, this number is probably as high as one trillion do- Hong Kong dollars, with Sun Hung Kai properties alone making an astounding 230 billion Hong Kong dollars in underlying profits. All of these companies have strong balance sheets, with most boasting net, uh, net debt-to-equity ratios of under 20%. Indeed, Sino Land is sitting on a net cash mountain of 32 billion, equivalent to 50% of its market capitalization one of the highest such ratios in the world. With most, if not all, of their retail tenants now suffering crippling losses and facing the very real spectre of imminent bankruptcy, it's high time for the landlords to offer concessions during these unprecedented times. I would propose a minimum rental cut of at least 20% for the next three months, with hardest-hit sectors such as bars and restaurants being offered as much as 50% reduction. At the same time, the Hong Kong government whose high land policy has effectively handed the property tycoons a carte blanche license to print money, should dip into its large financial reserves and follow the example set by the UK government by offering to pay up to 80% of the salaries of those businesses facing the most pressure. The combination of temporary rental concessions from landlords and payroll support from the government could help prevent tens of thousands of job losses over the next few months. Thank you very much, John Kelly. And uh, just one email from uh, 2C, who says, Hi, Backchat. It's me, one of your regular listeners with the strangest name. Uh, I've got a proposal. I was wondering if you could broadcast it. Uh, Given the current climate, with people losing their jobs and kids stuck at home, it would be brilliant if those laid-off people started mentoring children and helping them with their studies. It would take some of the burden off overwhelmed parents, help mentors generate some important cash flow, and more directly and quickly stimulate the economy than the 10K handout. I ask because I know a few responsible and tertiary educated individuals who have recently found themselves with too much time on their hands. Skeptics will be screaming social distancing, but experts have generally okayed small groups as keeping people isolated at all times just unrealistic. Mentors can sign off similar declarations that we've all had to sign off at work. No, I've not travelled in the last 14 days. No, I don't have any flu-like symptoms. Anyway, it's just an idea. If you get any takers, please do send them my way. Also, says Tusi, keep up the great work. You've become a mini BBC in Hong Kong for a lot of and a smiley face. Thank you very much indeed, TC. Yeah, if anyone's interested in that, uh, drop us a line and we'll, we'll, we'll pass those on uh, to you, TC, and see how they go. Okay, we're now joined by uh, Regina Ip, who is a uh, legislative and executive councillor and uh, chair, chairwoman of the New People's Party, and uh, Joseph Lee, a health, healthcare sector lawmaker. Uh, good morning, uh, Regina Ip. Let's go to you first. Good morning. Now, um, what, do, what do you think? Is it time to take tougher measures in Hong Kong? Certainly, certainly. There have been uh, spikes in uh, cases recently. You know, we've got to flatten the curve, you know. Otherwise, our health systems uh, will reach breaking point, you know. Um, So I think the government uh, must have been mulling more drastic measures in the past few days. What would you support? I mean, we look around the world, we have bans on more than four people gathering together, 10 people, two people, shut down businesses, shut down um, restaurants. I mean, if you you were deciding, what would you put at the top? I don't what uh, UK and some many states in the state, in US have done, issue stay-at-home orders, you know, closed bars, restaurants uh, completely. But I think we need more measures to enforce social distancing and stop crowd, large crowds, you know. For example, I think there have been six cases of foreign domestic helpers infected. And we've got to do something about congregations of these domestic helpers on Sundays. 
And we shouldn't just put the blame on bars or people drinking alcohol. Um, wedding parties, um, um, uh, birthday parties, all these could be sources of uh, uh, spreading of infections, you know. Government need to work out a more thorough, a well thought out plan, not just targeting people, uh, restaurants, uh, bars that sell liquor. Yes, there's been a lot of criticism of the uh, government's yes. announcement of the um, mm. of the ban on uh, selling alcohol. Do, 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 do you share that, that criticism? Well, I have voiced my reservations publicly. I don't think we should just target uh, um, establishments that sell liquor. There are other ways of uh, encouraging. Uh, there are other ways of um, um, minimizing social distancing other than congregating at bars, you know. And I'm sure the, the catering sector, the, the, uh, the wine and food se- sector, they'll be more than willing to cooperate with the government to work out uh, other uh, measures to restrain um, congregation of people. Sounds like you're saying the catering sector should be allowed to stay open. We shouldn't have a total close, uh, close down of restaurants and bars and so on. You see, the government is t- tackling uh, the twin problem of uh, virus spread and economic recession. If you impose a total ban on restaurants and uh, the catering establishments, you need to pay out large sums as compensation or unemployment benefits, as U.S. and U.K. are doing. You know, but we can't print money as much uh, as as much money well, as we, we have might. a lot more reserves we can't so do it you know we, we have a lot more that. reserves than the we have more reserves than the uk we're actually in a better position to um but you see pay. we have a link exchange rate we can only print so much money as we have u.s dollar reserves otherwise our hong kong dollar will be very susceptible to to rates on the, the currency the stability of the currency you know the hong kong dollar is linked to the u.s dollar uh, we are not a reserve currency like the U.S. dollar. So what, that's, that's a very important point to bear in mind. So what you suggested so far, maybe ban domestic helpers from gathering, allow re- bars and restaurants to stay open? What, what else? What, not necessarily bans, you know, maybe uh, numbers. There could be bans uh, or restrictions on the numbers. And there could be suggestions for staggering the leave dates of domestic helpers or other ways, you know. You know, you know, I'm on home quarantine at the moment, you know, which means I'm not in direct discussions with the government. OK. And do, does that mean you can't attend the executive council meeting or are they now do, allowing uh, video? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I have to stay at home. I can't attend executive council meetings. OK. Jo- Joseph Lee, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for, for, for joining us. Uh, what new measures, if any, would you like to see introduced? As we can see, this alarming surge in those confirmed cases, and so we, I think, the Hong Kong government all has to uh, think of some of very stringent containment strategies in order to minimise the second wave of community outbreak. And what you can see now, apart from what ending alcohol selling, that kind of discussion, and, and we have a kind of a, a couple of strategies and try to limit the social distance, uh, try to increase uh, social distancing. Well, there's a, a couple of discussions like um, to uh, reduce physical distancing by uh, just as the self-isolation in 40 days, as those people, high-risk people coming back to Hong Kong to do this. That's number one. The second point is is to control the size of social gathering. 
As you can see, some of the people might suggest to limit uh, to limited socializing in public in the group of certain number of people, let's say four to six, and also uh, try to uh, uh, reduce or, or try to uh, ban the um, social gathering uh, uh, for in public area, that kind of measures. The other thing we would suggest is for closing down of uh, public services or public transport on certain days, especially in, on week, over the weekend, that kind of issue. And uh, even reduce the business hour, the opening hour of some of the restaurant, whatever that will work. And uh, apart from the above uh, strategies, which might uh, tr uh, have the effect to, con to contain the spread, uh, obviously the government has the power and evoking and by evoking the power based on Chapter 599, the government might have the power, the power to evoke all these kind of strategy. But I think the government has to make a balance between human rights and public health and safety. And as you can see, the current situation, people in Hong Kong do not have confidence in the government, especially with Carrie Lam's administration. We have no confidence on whatever strategy her government propose. In, in this containment. So uh, even though uh, we have a couple of strategies, the government tries to suggest a couple of different straight uh, containment strategies, the transparency and political discussion will be very important. Otherwise, there will be uh, 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 not very effective in that sense. Joseph Lee, this is an many people say this is a medical emergency. Would you support the government if it uses the emergency regulations ordinance to try and introduce some of these measures? Well, as I just mentioned, the, or, the government has already um, made use of uh, Chapter nine, 599 to invoke emergency level in Hong Kong. Then the government will have power to do anything she wants in uh, as kind of emergency law. So uh, the people might, uh, uh, the government might uh, consider a couple of strategies that I've, I've proposed previously. But there should be a balance between that. And I think as a lawmaker, we have to, to be more careful to exercise our check and balance power to see whether the, the government is over overusing their power or even abuse their power in controlling human rights. But there should be a balance between, well, if we, we, we really want to uh, increase the um, uh, effect of social distancing by limited uh, the number of people uh, to get to join social gathering, limited uh, people uh, to, uh, to have social gathering in public area to a certain number that we have to be very careful and put into a forward discussion. Uh, Regina Ip, how about uh, Joseph Lee's point that uh, every opinion poll shows this is a very unpopular government? Does that make it more difficult for the government to take uh, measures in, uh, in an emergency? Well, popular or not, government has to take effective measures to contain further spread of, um, of the virus and to mitigate the sufferings of the people. As Joseph pointed out, the government doesn't need to use emergency regulation ordinance because on 7 February, the chief executive in executive council, we have collectively agreed, decided that Hong Kong is in a state of public health emergency under the control and prevention and control disease ordinance, as Joseph pointed out, which means the government has wide powers to impose measures to um, uh, contain the spread of the virus and to take all the necessary actions, provided they are proportionate and effective and time-limited. You know, I mean, all these draconian measures 
must have a time limit, you know, because they are too disruptive of normal life. And I'm sure the government will uh, will abandon them once things have returned to normal. That could be a long time. In the first half of the programme, we had a um, uh, we had a, a medical expert on saying we're talking about next year when you'll have a vaccine. There's a long time you're going to have to have measures in place. Well, that's a global problem. That's a problem that all governments around the world are grappling with, whether they are popular or not. includes us, though. I mean, can we imagine these kind of measures remaining in place until next year? Can it depends on uh, the conditions in Hong Kong. You know, in fact, we are doing better than a lot of the Western countries, you know, uh, in terms of the, the, the curve or, or the number of cases and uh, in terms of the services provided by our public health care system, I think our health care workers have done an amazing, amazing job. Uh, okay, a couple of uh, comments on Facebook. Um, Manny says, uh, Regina really liked domestic helpers. How pathetic ever since it's her advocacy. Uh, that comes from Manny. Um, and Colin says, would Regina advocate totally closing down horse racing? It seems to be the only sport operating. Are they a privileged group? Uh, closing down? Sorry, I didn't catch that. Horse, uh, horse racing. Horse racing. Um, I'm... I, have, I don't mind at all it's for the jockey club to, to consider. You know, I have no objection to that at all, closing down horse racing. You know, golf has been shut down. Okay. Uh, okay, a couple of comments um, still on the mask issue. Rick says, on masks, I'm tired, I'm sick of hearing this garbage. The WHO is very clear. Leave them for the frontline health workers unless you have a cough or cold. And uh, Paul Zimmerman has a message which he says, from my doctor, so I'm not quite sure what that amounts to. Anyway, he says, Singapore has done a much better job than Hong Kong. Schools open, no masks, better communication stroke education and less impact on economy. No evidence for masks in low-risk environments. This disease will be shown to be much more important hand-to-mouth, hence the increasing focus on the asymptomatic and mild infections. Shared bottles of beer, sharing peanuts, musical instruments, etc. Studies on the Diamond Princess showed virus still present 17 days after last cases were evacuated. This disease is fomite and droplet in most cases. That comes from, from Paul Zimmerman. Joseph Lee, do you want to respond on the, on the issue of, uh, of masks? Well, I think uh, using masks, whether it's using public or, or using masks, in, obviously in hospital, would now uh, again become a hot issue for discussion because as you can see, well, uh, firstly, if you look at the current healthcare system, if, well, no more con- uh, stringent containment measures as now proposed by government, accepted by the public, there might be risks of an uh, increased number of confirmed cases. But that means influx to hospital. As you can see, the, um, now the um, hospital bed in the hospital authority is quite uh, uh, tight. In that sense, over 50% of the isolation bed has been used as far as um, uh, human resources concerned, the shortage of, um, even shortage of manpower in hospital of 40 is evident. And so uh, wearing a mask in a hospital of 40, especially the use of N95 masks, would be a luxury because uh, uh, most of the frontline staff reported that uh, reuse or extended use 
or, or limited extended use of N95 masks is very common within the hospital system, which is highly, highly inappropriate. And to reduce the, the pressure of, of, of the public um, healthcare system, I think in the community, people will try to wear masks, uh, uh, pay attention to, or cautiously, uh, uh, stringently, regionally use their personal hygiene just to minimize uh, infectious. Uh, uh, across the infection within the community, that might help to ease the pressure in public hospital. I would say on, on, on the masks, uh, contrary to what Paul, you or your doctor have said about Singapore, in fact, mask wearing is, is uh, widespread in Singapore. There were uh, masks distributed by the administration. And it's very striking that in those places where you've got the lowest kind of spread are the places where you have the most uh, face masks. Uh, I'd also point to a, an article in The Lancet uh, from last week, the British Medical Journal, uh, which does say um, perhaps it would be rational, it acknowledges that different places have different advice on masks wearing and the WHO as well. Um, but the article concludes perhaps it would be rational to recommend that people in quarantine wear face masks if they need to leave home for any reason to prevent pre potential asymptomatic uh, transmission. In addition, vulnerable populations such as older adults and those with underlying medical conditions should wear face masks if available. Universal use of face masks could be considered if supplies admit. Add a permit. In parallel, urgent research on the duration of protection of face masks uh, should be encouraged. Taiwan had the foresight to create a large stockpile of face masks. Other countries or regions might now consider this as part of future pandemic plans. Uh, so that seems to be the, the latest stance on, on, uh, on uh, if you're looking for evidence of the use of, of, of face masks. John, in an email, says, Allowing people in from Wuhan without testing them and strictly quarantining them is like one step forward, five step back. Crazy joggers should not jog in the streets, but in the open areas like parks. Now we have mainly imported cases, but once they start getting out of quarantine, even if tested negative, they could still be hiding the virus for another 17 to 14 days. So in two to four weeks, we'll still be aware of an increase in local cases. That comes uh, from uh, John. Uh, and um, I'm not sure if it's the same. John says we're talking in circles about having to pay out too much compensation to bars and restaurants. This is wasting time. Many other countries have taken the radical decision to close them, but that's it. No discussion should be in place. There is an emergency waiting to happen. In a month, we could contain it, but if we don't, it will be around for six months. That comes from John. What about those measures? We, you know, people are concerned about people now coming back from uh, China as, as uh, you know, movement um, restrictions are relaxed there, uh, coming back from, from the mainland. Regina, are you satisfied that the government is taking that threat seriously? Oh, well, personally, I'll be, I'll be happier if they are, you know, tested on arrival. And um, all, all, ma all mainland arrivals have to go into quarantine for 14 days. Volunt voluntary it's, home quarantine, is that right? Oh, of course, voluntary home quarantine, you know. But testing would, would help. Um, the government is not undertaking testing, possibly because they have a shortage. Maybe because they are running into shortage of testing kits. Because they've been testing large numbers of people. And even monitoring such large numbers of people is not easy. The government has set up three centers, and they are recruiting retired civil servants to help them. And I know how they are monitoring us, because I'm being monitored myself, you know.
Okay, couple, couple more, couple more comments. Uh, Bernadette says, "Morning. What is the unemployment number for the proud USA standing at today?" And Drake says, "WHO? I mean, who cares? Look at the surge of cases in the US. Why would anyone still believe that some sort of separation, mask, paper visor, whatever, is of no effect at any level to the general public?" Uh, question mark. And a question for Regina Yip from Mike, who says, uh, Regina Ip, should we limit MTR trains mm. to 100 people per train? Let's all get on a bus with our beer and just ride with our friends. Birthday parties on 68M bus ride, just ride back and forth. Wow. And we ask you guys to solve our problems. I can't stop laughing. I'm not sure about that. But Regina, how, how about the issue about uh, limiting? I mean, quite a few people have suggested uh, maybe shutting the MTR down early in the evening. We have experience of that. The MTR did that for several weeks uh, during the protests. Yes. Um, is that the sort of thing you would support? I think that certainly can be examined, you know. And that's why people wear masks when they go to work, because if they take the trains, you know, which are usually crowded. I don't know what's the latest condition now. You really need to wear masks to protect yourselves or people coughing or people may, have, may be infected. Okay, but what they've seen, uh, I mean, they, what they've seen in Britain, for instance, when they run fewer trains is, of course, the, the, you run fewer trains, those trains just become even more crowded. Um, that, so that has to be accompanied by other work-at-home orders, you know, or arrangements, you know. Well, the government has already sent civil servants home, so the only way to have more people working at home now would be to order the private sector to um, those private sector companies who are not doing it uh, to work at home. Should they, should they well, do that? A, a lot of a lot of companies are arranging staggered uh, work arrangements or working at homes. I know a lot of um, uh, multinationals are doing that. You know, the Legislative Council Secretariat. We are following the lead of the government, and we are not holding meetings unless absolutely necessary. So we've actually scuppered a lot of meetings next week. Okay, some uh, more emails to, to bring the programme towards a close. Uh, Mike has got some uh, information about that novel written by Dean Kuntz, which sort of predicted a lot of, what, of what's happening now in a novel written in 1981. Uh, thanks for those. Um, Andrew, oh, sorry, James says, walking through Central at the weekend, the social distancing message doesn't seem to have got through to domestic helpers. Big groups in close proximity clearly mustn't demonise, but perhaps more health advisors going around to advise them. Message through the Domestic Helpers Association, that observation from, from James. Uh, G says, I watched a programme on NHK last night showing very interesting research which demonstrated that even when conversing, people do emit micro droplets which can transmit the virus. It's not just coughs and sneezes. So close contact in bars, etc., should be discouraged. That comes from uh, G. And uh, Drake says, echoing what Bowen said, that was an email at the beginning of the programme, this commie colony is far worse than the British colonial government who left us the sedition law, which Ronnie Tong happily endorses in totality, despite the fact that it was never reviewed to catch up with the advancement of human rights laws. As for the pandemic, the hasty opening up of Chinese workforce would send us a big wave of new infections, keeping in mind that the mainland government had been reported to exclude asymptomatic cases since February, even if they were tested positive. The impact of these hidden carriers is going to be massive. That comes from, from Drake. Uh, Regina, we've had uh, two listeners this morning commenting
commenting on the uh, use of anti-sedition laws. Um, of course, there was a rest yesterday. There's, no, there's not been any uh, charges, so there's no court case pending at all. Um, you, of course, tried to change the anti-sedition laws when you were Secretary for Security, and, in fact, you would have restricted the anti-sedition laws. Do you, do you think it's appropriate to use these old laws that you yourself tried to change? It remains to be tested, you know. You cannot say, well, most of our statutes were enacted before 1997. And under Article 160 of the Basic Law, unless these statutes have been disallowed by the NPC Standing Committee, they remain effective. But the jurisprudence on sedition has evolved over the years. So even if charges are laid, whether they can stand the test of judicial scrutiny, that remains to be seen. This is an issue you're very aware of because you worked on it. There, there, are, yes, a lot, yes, there, are, yes. there are a lot of questions, aren't there? As you said, the, court, yes. the jurisprudence has evolved. Uh, there, there are a lot of questions about whether these old laws are, are still constitutional or not, or whether you really could actually use them to prosecute. Well, the laws are constitutional, but uh, whether they, how the courts would, would interpret inter them is a different matter. Maybe put it a different way. Do you think it's wise to prosecute under these laws at the moment or not, given the uncertainty? You know, actually, sedition is one of the national security offences, you know, that ought to be prohibited under the basic law. And we have a duty to deal with national security, uh, implementation of national security offences. It's really a matter of judgment for the government whether... Um, that is necessary at this point in time. But it's not being it's not being used in a national security way at the moment. I, I was looking back yesterday at the uh, version of sedition you proposed in 2003. That that would not have covered the conduct for which the district councillor was arrested yesterday. That was directed very squarely at national security issues. Well, that's why people should have supported the version that I championed. You know, I was really championing modernisation of old laws, you know, too bad that wasn't enacted. You know. uh, and if, if that was your view then, is it still your view? Is that what the kind of sedition that we should be addressing? And narrower than the existing legislation? But the, the, uh, the politic, the situation in Hong Kong has uh, changed radically since 2003, you know. It's uh, for the state or the government to decide whether it is under such great threat that it has to use uh, old laws to um, neutralise these threats. So, so you have to, the, the government has to decide whether a Facebook post asking a policeman to turn himself in is a great threat to the state? Because uh, there, there were no such threats on the police in 2003 or in the first few years of, uh, of uh, our re re reunification with China. It sounds... But now... You know, now, they're, they're, look at what happened last year and still continuing. Months and months of protests of, uh, occasionally, frequently pretty violent and a lot of targeting of the police to dehumanize, demonize and to delegitimize them. So that may be the reasons compelling uh, the, the government to do something about people recirculating um, information about the police that had been prohibited by the courts and which could excite hatred of the police force. It sounds to me like you're saying if we revisit Article 23 that the proposals you put forward in 2003 on sedition may no longer be appropriate and the government may have to look at different and perhaps stronger versions I, of these laws than the ones you suggested. I think so. I do think so because of what has happened over the past um, 16, 17 years, you know.
you know, the all laws have to be subject to review, you know, whether to moderate them or to toughen them. Okay. And how about your view on the timing of Article 23? You, you've spoken on that before. Uh, is that now uh, a more urgent we priority? We do have a constitutional obligation. Uh, it's part of one country, two systems. But uh, I don't think we're ready to enact uh, local legislation at this point. It's a highly complicated and politically fraught exercise. While the government is battling uh, coronavirus and economic recession, I don't think it has the capacity to deal with that at the moment. Okay, finally, an email just back to that topic from Colin, who says, well done to the nurses who woke the government up by forcing more border closures by taking direct action. Big round of applause to all our doctors, nurses and healthcare workers and our hardworking cleaners. Well done. That comes from Colin. Thank you very much indeed, Colin. Thank you very much indeed to our guests today. To uh, Joseph Lee, the healthcare sector lawmaker. Regina Yip, uh, New People's Party chairwoman, legislator and executive councillor. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Danny, many thanks to you for the program today and uh, this week back uh god willing at 8 30 on uh, monday the way um, i'm sure you'll be there Hugh. yeah with the maskless mike rouse although we <laughs> we'd see if we can get him to wear a mask uh it's gonna be mainly cloudy uh today uh, coastal fog around this morning it's gonna be sunny during the afternoon with a maximum temperature of about 27 degrees a few showers and squally thunderstorms later so a little bit of everything squally thunderstorms at first tomorrow the showers easing off at night slightly cooler and windy during the weekend, 24 degrees now. The relative humidity is at 87%. To fight the virus together, we must protect ourselves and others and reduce social contact. Stay at home as far as possible. Avoid social gatherings and don't go to crowded places. Work from home if feasible. Don't shake hands with others. We should also avoid meal gatherings. Let's adopt these measures to prevent the spread of novel coronavirus in the community. For more information on fighting the virus, visit chp.gov.hk. 9.33, the news now with Pierre Tremblay. Widespread reports say the Executive Council will hold an urgent meeting this afternoon to consider further measures to limit gatherings and prevent the spread of the coronavirus. It follows a surge in imported cases and a series of local outbreaks, including those linked to a wedding in Discovery Bay and to bars in Lan Kwai Fong. Latest figures from the United States show that it has now more confirmed cases of the coronavirus than any other country in the world. John Hopkins University says the U.S. has over 82,400 COVID-19 patients, overtaking China, which has had just under 82,000. Italy has 80,500. And police have arrested three men in Taiwan on suspicion of possessing offensive weapons and arms and ammunition without a license. The three, aged between 20 and 23 years old, are also suspected of possessing instruments that could be used for unlawful purposes. Police said the arrests were made on Leaping Dragon Walk after officers came across the men acting suspiciously near a stone hut. More news at 10. <laughs> And so it's time for the morning brew, yeah. Got special guests here in to speak. To maybe help you plan your week, yeah. They know just what is going on. 